Hello, hello, and welcome back, everybody. By everybody, I mean Michael, to the best books in the world. Episode three. We've been going through Katie Forfordy's masterpiece, A Secret Garden, not The Secret Garden. Reportedly a terribly good book. I don't know, I haven't read that one either. But we're reading chapter three of A Secret Garden by Katie for 40. Now, in the last chapter, we found out that Lorna had a big crush on Peter. And Peter has an aristocratic nose. So, two very important developments there. Um, and we shall find out in this chapter whether there are any more strange and unusual non-sequiturs, such as Hunter Wellies. Without further ado, we may as well just get straight on with it, because, I mean, what's the point in faffing around? Here is chapter three of Katie for Fordies, A Secret Garden. Leaving Burthen House, Lorna walked home across the park that once had deer roaming in it, and would one day, she hoped, have some rare breed sheep. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know why you specifically want rare breed sheep. I'm not sure that she knows anything about sheep or cares, but she just wants rare breed sheep. Is this an aspirational thing? Is this something that everybody wants? Does everybody want a rare breed sheep? Um, is, is it simply the scarcity that makes them so attractive? And what's the fucking difference anyway? At the end of the day, a sheep is a sheep and wool is wool. So if there is a different type of wool that you get from a rare breed sheep that's particularly special, then fair enough. But let somebody else breed it. I'll probably cut that bit. She'd heard Peter being enthusiastic about girlfriends before, but this was different. Ah, uh, yes, in the previous chapter he was talking about how he'd met someone and she was the one and he would love her forever and ever because that's normal. And if Kirsty felt the same, Kirsty is this new lover, then there was no point in her keeping her little flame of hope alive. She'd better just try and get over it. Yeah, you better. Lorna, said Anthea, opening her front door wide. I don't remember who Anthea is. How wonderful to see someone civilised, and it means I can have coffee. Because it is, of course, illegal in the Cotswolds to drink coffee alone. Lorna slipped her feet out of her boots. Peter's mother lived in the Dower House. Oh, Anthea is Peter's mother. Brilliant. The fact that there was such a handsome one as part of the estate had been one of the reasons he'd bought it. That, and the fact he had to do something with the obscene amount of money he earned. Earned from what? This is, right, this is the, I asked this question repeatedly in the last episode. What does he do? Especially that nets him enough money to buy a stately home. And if he does that, 
If he earns that amount of money to buy a stately home, I mean, that's a red flag already, surely, because people who earn that kind of money largely are psychopaths. But I suppose being extraordinarily, extraordinarily unfeasibly rich is clearly um, clearly a laudable attribute in this universe. Anyway, Anthea was a firm friend to Lorna and she followed into her kitchen. And have you heard, Anthea went on, Peter is officially in love. It, apparently it is literally official, yes. She managed to make this state sound unspeakably vulgar. Well, do you know what? I mean, I was going to go with sarcasm, but fair enough, vulgar. He does seem very happy. Glad that she didn't have to break this news, Lorna kept her tone neutral. He sounds deranged. Yes, he does. Thank you, Anthea. Anthea slapped the kettle onto her ancient arga. Of course, she has an arga. He's just been on the telephone, told me about this dinner party. To be honest, Lorna, darling, I'd find it easier if he wasn't so ecstatic. I mean, has he lost all his critical faculties? He's nearly 60, for God's sake. Speaking as someone who's getting on that way, I don't think it necessarily makes you any wiser. Well, no, Anthea agreed. But when it's one's son involved, one does rather hope it might. The kettle having now boiled, Anthea filled a coffee pot with water to warm it and then set about finding beans, grinding them and eventually putting two pots on the table, one with coffee, the other with hot milk. I always have instant when I'm on my own, so it's nice to have an excuse to make proper coffee. I see, because you can't make proper coffee by yourself. I mean, it's it's your house, man, it's your life. You can do as you please. I don't, like, your son owns a stately home. And you can't bear to just make a, get a, get a little cafetiere. I've got one, I've got one. I live in a two up, two down. I've got a little cafetiere for just having one coffee. Why would you... Lorna, who had seated herself at the table, breathed in the smell. I think you make the best coffee of anyone I know. Anthea put down two bone china mugs, a compromise between her really preferring cups and saucers, and yet appreciating mugs didn't need topping up so often. Thank you. She began pouring. So you don't think Peter's gone entirely mad, meeting this girl one night and practically moving her in the next? Is she moving in? This was news and a shock. No, I don't think so. But this dinner party. Apparently she's asking lots of her friends who have to stay the night. What the poor staff will do about proper bed linen, I don't know, she frowned. What the poor staff will do about bed linen. Oh, the problems that we have to worry about on behalf of our servants. It's just, it's all so sudden. And I'll have to do flowers. I thought you loved doing flowers. I thought that was your thing. It is, but I'm on church flower duty that week. And I won't want to be up at the house trying to hide the damp patches behind the arrangements. Anthea took a comforting sip of coffee. I could ask Philly to do them, Lorna suggested. I'm already going to ask her to wait at table. Are you now? Wait at table. Is that... Is that a phrase that people use? Is is this is this the research that Katie's actually done? Is it is it that she's actually just researched how the landed gentry talk and that's her main thing, just landed gentry talk? 
I just I feel like weight at table is something that nobody at all would ever say. And the only people I could think might say it are people that have never, will never do it. Anyway, weight at table. Apparently Kirsty knows a good caterer, but he needs a waiter. Possibly a kitchen assistant too. Philly could do both if she's not too busy with her market stall. Is Philly the one who raises plants for you? Nice girl. Although she always looks at me as if I'm going to eat her. Anthea frowned. Maybe it would be better if I didn't try and smile. It's the smile that terrifies them. Lorna laughed. She is shy but very efficient. I'll ask her to help out, but we have to get Peter to pay her properly. Yes, you fucking do! Hmm, trouble with Peter is he's always been so charming he expects to get everything for nothing. I'll get him to pay her a hundred pounds, is that enough? I mean, it sounds like a small fortune to me, but I'm still living in the dark ages. Yes, you are. It would be generous, but appropriate. No, pay her more. Pay her more. Pay her twice that much. You are... If he earns an absurd amount of money, he... His... His... Uh, the salary that he pays the people that help him should be commensurate with his own salary. It should be a percentage of his own um, salary, like income taxes. That's the progressive way to pay people. So if you earn 200 million a year, then you have to pay like a million quid to your servant because that is a 200th of your earnings. And if you want a servant, servant, that's the fucking least you can do. Glad to think Philly would get a reasonable sum out of it. It's not reasonable. I just hope she can help. I'm sure for a hundred pounds... Stop talking about a hundred pounds. I don't care. Did you want a biscuit? Toast? When Lorna had shaken her head, she went on. So what do we think about this Kirsty? Without having met her, it's hard to say, but Peter is obviously enraptured. Doesn't sound a good thing at his age. I think it's lovely. Don't we all want to be swept off our feet? Absolutely not. I didn't want it when I was a girl. I don't want it now. Anthea sounded so appalled and so vehement. Excellent, I like Anthea. She obviously shocked herself. Of course, I was in love with my husband, but it was an emotion that grew as we got to know each other. It wasn't a coup de foudre. What the hell is a coup de foudre? This is it. This is the, this is the actual research Katie Fafordi has actually done. She has researched what posh people say. And it is my contention that she has done this research... Um, in her own home because she is one. I distrust passionate emotions that come out of nowhere. Well, I see your point, said Lorna, whose loyalties were stretched in both directions. Oh, side note, I remember in last episodes that I did Irish accents and I think I'm knocking that on the head because I kind of can't be arsed. Um, and also... Might sound a bit racist. Not really sure. Leaving the old ones up because uh, I can't deny who I was, but it doesn't feel right anymore. She would have enjoyed having an old-fashioned bitch about this unknown woman, but also wanted to support Peter. If this was the real thing, she had to go along with it. But judging by what he's told me about her, she seems nice. Interested in the gardens, which makes me inclined to like her. You don't think she's just after him for his money, do you? You don't think she's just after him for his money, do you? I shouldn't think so. I mean, the house needs a lot of doing up. He doesn't flaunt his wealth. 
except for living on a fucking estate with a stately home in it. I don't like to flaunt my money, but do come to my hundred acre estate at the weekend and I'll have a full catered dinner party for you. But I don't like to flaunt my money. Don't like to flaunt it. Holy shit! Sorry, that's that working class chip on my shoulder. Oh, sorry, end of that sentence was, she may not know he's rich. <laughs> Who fucking thinks she does? He's mean, you mean? Lorna laughed. Not really. I mean, I know he's careful. Yeah, he's mean when, he, when he's paying the help. It's probably how he got rich. Oh, interesting, interesting. Uh, that's literally what Lorna says next. Probably how he got to be so rich. But he doesn't have a flashy car. If you overlook having a driver... You can't overlook having a driver. A driver. She paused. Actually, him having a driver will tell her exactly how rich he is. Yes, it will. Oh, God. It took... Why would this take you two paragraphs to realise this? But let's give her the benefit of the doubt, at least until we've met her. I mean, she might be incredibly rich herself. She probably is. Very well, then. We'll be on our best behaviour and tear her apart afterwards. That sounds nice. But only if... She holds her knife like a pen, said Lorna. <laughs> Wait, are they trying to assert some sort of class solidarity thing here? Is this... Are they are they only going to shit-talk her if she's posh? Because look at where you are. Jesus Christ. Anthea laughed. I do wish it could have been you, Lorna. We've always understood each other. Well, I don't understand you. What is your ideology? Who are you? I'm supposed to know. I'm the reader. I don't care if you understand each other. What about me? Well, if it's not meant, it's not. We'll always be friends anyway. And I hope he's very happy. Very magnanimous of you, dear. Personally, I'd want that outrageous fortune for myself. To be honest, being happy in my work, which I am, having a nice house, which, thanks to you and Peter's estate, I have, and being healthy is pretty much enough. It wasn't absolutely enough, but Lorna wasn't going to share that. And having my son also well and happy and in work, which I'm pleased to tell you is currently the situation, is almost perfect. OK, so this is the first time we've found out that she has a son who is an adult, who is working. Um, bit clunky, bit of exposition-y there. Um, my guess is that the son is going to play absolutely no part in this story at all. It's simply there to, like, as a device to try to make the character uh, more relatable because women of the age of this character um, are frequently more likely to have children than not. So if this woman has children, she's more relatable. But it is simply a demographic thing. This has got fuck all to do with the story. How very wise you are, my dear, said Anthea. Wishing she felt as wise as the impression she had given Anthea, Lorna went home to get her car and then drove to Philly's. And scene. Okay, um... I mean, that scene wasn't absolutely without merit, but it was uneven and, again, like, doesn't acknowledge the the lack of normality in this normality. And, of course, it wouldn't because we're focalised on these characters that are just living their normal lives and everything is completely normal for them. And I think that's my problem. They're not... They don't realise where they are. They don't think, holy fuck, I work on this giant estate. 
holy fuck, Peter earns an obscene amount of money, he might be a psychopath. Like, they don't think of these things. But of course they wouldn't. So it's actually hard for me to criticise the actual delivery of this because these people are essentially children in this. They don't know. None of these people know. They are, as everybody is, ideologically indoctrinated into the the world that they live. So this conversation was actually entirely predictable and quite like quite normal really. I would I would probably say that it's not giving the characters enough credit. I think that they're they're coming off a little bit stupid. Anthea less so. Um, Anthea is probably the best character so far, mainly because she's just a little bit world weary. And for goodness sake, I could do with a little bit of that in a in a supporting character, someone who actually sees the world for what it roughly might be. And it's not that she's an oracle or anything, but there is a degree of cynicism in in the way that she speaks, and I think that that's really important because everybody else is 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 acting like uh, a, a bunch of four year olds who don't know they literally don't know they're born. Especially Peter, I do wonder what he does. I do wonder. He probably just moves numbers around on a spreadsheet and takes home a hundred million a year for it. He's probably um, someone who just makes money for somebody else and gets to cream it off the top and when you're working with billions of dollars and you cream a little bit off the top that's a lot of money for one person and you can buy yourself an estate anyway on with this uh philly was in the greenhouse checking her plants of course she was she jumped when she heard someone behind her oh lorna it's you how nice i found seamus he told me you were here he said you wouldn't mind if i came and found you please don't let me stop you working did you come out to see what I'm growing for this season? I just decided that I've chosen all the wrong stuff and none of it will sell. Lorna laughed. You said that last year and everything went. Because you brought it. Philly was never sure if basing a business on only one client was sensible. No shit, Sherlock. It meant there wasn't any wastage, but she knew her parents would say it was putting all her eggs in one basket. You grew what I wanted and I'm not here about that. I have a job for you. Lorna frowned slightly. Maybe if you're ready to stop, we could talk about it in the house. That sounds mysterious, but I'm more than happy to stop. Philly led the way to the house, wondering what Lorna was looking awkward about. She made them both tea and found some cake. Yeah, I would feel awkward too, Lorna. You're asking your friend, right, that you buy from, right? In an egalitarian manner, she makes a thing and you buy it for her. She is a producer of goods she owns the means of her own production she is a business that you purchase goods from and she is a friend and you're going to ask her to enter into an overtly subordinate relationship for an evening this is going to be awkward this is why i came really said lorna she was seated at the kitchen table, looking enthusiastic as Philly cut into the chocolate confection. Chocolate confection. It's cake. Just cake. Just cake. Just, ca- just, ca- just call it cake. This is what my grandfather calls Gatox, said Philly. He won't be told that only works if there's more than one of them. What? Oh, just call it fucking cake. It's just cake. It's cake. It's a cake. I'm going to call it Gatox myself now you've told me, said Lorna. 
these non sequiturs are so boring. Like, it's so boring. I want to say something about it, but actually, the reason I'm compelled to, to say something about this is that it's bollocks and that it doesn't matter and who cares. So, said Philly, what can I do for you? Lorna frowned again. Well, it's two things, and I'm not sure you're going to be keen because it's on a Saturday and I know you're busy at the market on Saturdays. Is it a waitressing job? That's okay, it'll be in the evening. It is a waitressing job, but they also want you to do the flowers. It's for Peter and... Lorna paused for a second. Kirsty. He has a new girlfriend and they're having a dinner party so he can show her off to people. His mother, me, etc. It, wait, did she just pick it? She was like, is it a waitressing job? Like, is she a waitress? Is that what she does? I didn't... Did I miss that in chapter one, that she's also a professional waitress? Yes, uh, Tom, uh, we did find out about that in chapter one. We found out about that when we found out that her mother disapproved of it. Um, that was literally a little plot device, a little, a little seed she planted. Yes, she does it, therefore she will do this. Um... I'm, I'm so bored. I'm so, so bored. I mean, this is the, an interjection, fact-checky bit with the funny voice, and I... Fact-checking fact motherfucker is motherfucking bored right now. Anyway. Oh. Philly had always suspected that Lorna had a soft spot for Peter herself, although she'd never said anything. What's she like? Have you met her? No. The dinner party will be the first time. She's got a caterer, but he wants a waiter and maybe some prepping help, and Anthea wants you to do the flowers. It would be a long day, but I expect it'll be okay. Do they want me to provide flowers as well? I think they expect you to just cut a few branches from the grounds. There are some trees just coming up into leaf, some winter flowering things still doing their thing, and lots and lots of bulbs. That is the sort of flower arranging I like, said Philly. That's what I thought. And I've managed to get you a hundred pounds, but that includes the waitressing. That sounds okay, said Philly, having done a quick sum. Better than the minimum wage, anyway. Minimum wage? You're a skilled fucking labourer. You're an artist. Get him to pay you what you're fucking worth. Tight fucking fucking fuck. I wonder if they'd mind if I did the flowers the day before. I'm sure they wouldn't. I'll tell Dory, you know, the housekeeper. I'll be there too, to make sure you get given the best vases. Some of them are tucked away in rooms that aren't used. I must say, it would be nice if more of the house was in use, wouldn't it? It's just such a huge place with a massive garden, and currently it's just Peter and the staff. Lorna gave a tiny sigh. Yes, it would be nice if it were used more. Maybe Kirsty will open it all up and there'll be weekend house parties and things. Weekend house parties are very good for the market, said Philly. Lots of new money circulating. It would be good for the town generally, actually. The fact that the house within walking distance of the town means they probably would shop a bit and go to the pub. Lorna fell silent at the thought of Kirsty presiding over social events at Peter's side. You don't sound terribly pleased about it, though, said Philly. I mean, obviously she's not. And that's the, that's the end of the chapter. Um, these chapters are well short. Obviously she's not, but I think we should probably just circle back to this last thing. They're talking about the economy of the village again. Parties. Like, 
What kind of parties? Weekend part? What, they're just going to start throwing part? They're just going to get Larry every weekend with their mates from London? Or or is this going to become a, 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 a hotel of some kind? Is there... Like, what, what does that... What does a weekend party mean? And why do they immediately think, oh, that'd be good for the economy because fucking 12 rich people show up? I mean... It probably does make a difference to a few small businesses. I I know that 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 can absolutely make a difference. But like, how often are they having these parties, and who the hell is coming? Seems to me that it sounds like they're turning it into a a guest house. But that I mean that that can't be the case. That's not that's not on the cards, and they're just randomly out of nowhere suggesting that with no idea what the what the real plan is. So what's going on? Why do we have this idea that that what well, maybe it will change and why do they just think why do they just think party why do they immediately be like oh they have parties yeah they're just um like is the are they, is this the circles they move in or are they just making assumptions about incredibly rich people because it feels to me like lorna knows peter well enough to to know how he lives and he doesn't like to flaunt his wealth. So why would he be having parties every weekend? Unless Kirsty is the one doing it. But of course, they're just making assumptions about her as well. This makes no sense. Are they trying to find a positive so in order that Philly can accuse Lorna of not entering into that positive and, and not committing to that positive? Is that really is that what it is? Because it seems to me that it's a, it's a really weak device to try to... Um, to try to just get that last beat of the chapter, she's got to find something positive, and the and the and the and the kind of most idiotic and weak thing that they find in this in this positivity is is oh it'll be good for the the economy because the rich people coming up for the weekend will spend some money at the market and go to the pub, like why would they go to the pub if they're having a party at a stately home? Surely they'd be at the stately home having a party. I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand, and I'm not sure I ever will. Uh, but that's the end of the chapter, and that's all the information it's giving me. Um, again, another weird, weird non sequitur. It's Hunter Wellies all over again. We just, she's just planting these silly little ideologically corrupt aspirational things. Weekend house parties, Hunter Wellies, fucking servants. Earning an obscene amount of money. Not flashing his wealth around except for he's got a driver and a hundred acre estate. You can't imbue people that rich with genuinely good attributes and expect anyone to take it seriously. Except that you can. Because of course you can. Because this is how the world works. I can't take it seriously. I think it insults my intelligence. But quite clearly, as this is a best-selling book, you can. You can just say he's a very, very nice man. He's a very, very nice man who just happens to earn an obscene amount of money doing something that I'm pretty sure requires no personality whatsoever. Which means he's almost certainly deficient in some way in empathy. And also, I mean, let's be honest... Like, either he knows and he isn't interested, or he absolutely doesn't know. Either way, why would he mention it? 
Why would he mention it? Now, of all times, he's fallen in love. And he says to her, Oh, I sometimes thought there might... No, no. You know, there's no way in the world he would say that. If This is absurd. I've got a problem with Peter. Peter, you're a bad person. You are emotionally manipulating a woman. That is what you are doing. You are thinking, Oh, oh, I've got this woman... But then there's this there's this woman sat on the steps next to me and I'm like, oh, how about I uh, how about I uh, manipulate her and make her into an extension of my ego as well? Because I'm attractive to someone 20 years younger than me, so I must be attractive to her and I can have both if I really want to. I don't like him. I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. I think that he should probably have an accident. I think that's the way we should go with this story. I think he should um, maybe fall out of an upper floor window. Um, maybe his driver should... Um, maybe his driver develops an alcohol problem and ends up driving drunk and then and then he dies. Um, and then... Right, so here's my pitch for the rest of the story. Driver is drunk. After they have, they have the party, right? It's it's terrible. It's absolutely dreadful. Lorna has an awful time. Um, Kirsty is lovely, um, but they get in the car after the after the uh, party because um, because Peter is going back to Kirsty's after the party, and their driver has been drinking, and they have this huge crash where. Kirsty dies, Peter dies, it's all awful. The driver survives and he cannot forgive himself, eventually attempts suicide, Lorna stops him uh, and they end up together because she redeems him from the guilt of killing Peter because she realised that actually Peter was a prick. That's that's my pitch for the rest of this story. We'll see how it unfolds in the coming episodes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the best books in the world. Tune in for chapter four soon. <laughs> <laughs>